Hey guys, welcome to Kids Dress Up Sunday at Connect Church. I figured why not get in on the fun. I've actually never participated in the dress up portion of these services, so today's a first. I'm pretty excited about that. It's also the final week of our teaching series called When the Devil Knocks. And we spent the last few weeks talking about the spiritual reality that we actually live in. We focused on spiritual beings and spiritual battle. What does it look like to understand who the devil is or what an angel is or, or really the root problems of, of the battles that we find ourselves in in our world? And every single week, you guys might remember, I've given you a word that begins with the letter A in order to introduce our topic and our theme and things like that. And today, as you can probably guess, the A stands for armor. armor. That's absolutely right. Yep. You get a gold star. Way to go. And the reason we're talking about armor today is because Ephesians chapter number six tells us that if we want to survive the spiritual and physical and emotional battles that we find ourselves in day in and day out, we have to put on the armor of God. And if we put on the armor of God, then we will stand a much better chance of actually surviving. Now, since we're talking about armor, I thought, let's get a full suit of armor today. So this is a real suit of armor. Like this is metal and for real. Uh, I went to a place called Dark Creations here in Calgary, which seems like a good place for a pastor to shop. And so I went there and I said, hey, bros, do you have an entire suit of armor that I can rent for a church thing that we're doing? And they were like, weird, but okay, yeah, we could hook you up. So they gave me this. And I got to tell you, I'm feeling my new wardrobe, you guys. I'm feeling this. I really am. Kind of like it. I'm basically a tank with legs. So I really just want to go walk downtown late tonight. Just dare somebody to try me. Come on. Come at me, bro. Let's do this. I feel like I could take anybody on. But if I'm honest, this is kind of hard to wear. I'm not going to lie. First of all, it's too big for me. So I went in and I said, hey guys, um, do you have, like, I want a full suit of knight armor, like what you would see a knight who's like jousting and he's riding on his horse, you know, and everything is like plate metal like this. And they said, sorry, sir, we don't make those in kid sizes. And I was like, ouch, that hurt. But he said, we've got some other types of armor that might fit you a little bit better, but this is kind of too big, okay? It's also heavy. This stuff weighs nearly 40 pounds right now. Like, if you think I sweat a lot on a normal Sunday, today's going to be even worse. I promise you that. So yeah, I mean, it's a little bit heavy. It's certainly awkward and it restricts my mobility. I can't really move around. Like if I lean too far, I'm about to fall over. It's a little bit weird. I had trouble driving with this on this morning when I got in my car and I was driving to church at 7 a.m. It was tough to see what was going on. My wife was not overly thrilled when I crawled into bed last night wearing this. She didn't think it was super romantic. And I'll just say... Like, if you're curious, don't even ask me about going to the bathroom in this thing because it's a mess. So here's the thing. This is really protective armor. I mean that. Like, I could get into a battle, you could chop me with this sword, and I would survive just fine. But it's not exactly very practical, is it? It's not exactly very practical, everyday kind of wear. In fact, you know what? I think I've got to take some of this off or we're never going to get through this message, okay? Whew. All right. That's a little bit better. It's so stinking hot in there. Let's see if it'll stay for me. Cool. All right. Yeah, now that's much better. 
Now I kind of feel like, all right, I can see you guys. You can see me. Like there's some airflow going on. This is kind of nice. When I think of the armor of God, I tend to think of like big, heavy metal armor from like middle-aged knights and things like that. And that may be what you think about as well. But this morning, what I want you to recognize is that the armor of God is not like this at all. The armor that God offers to each and every one of us to withstand the attacks of our spiritual enemy, it's actually much more practical, it's much more pleasant to wear, and it still offers you the protection you need to deal with the circumstances that attack you and the things that want to hold you down. So what we're going to do is we're going to dive in right off the bat. I'm going to read this passage to you. It's Ephesians chapter number six. And this is the passage where we are introduced to the armor of God. How many guys have heard of the armor of God before? Some of you and some of you have not. That's okay. I think this will be a helpful introduction for you. So in Ephesians chapter number six, the passage says, now there's a guy named Paul and he's writing to a church in a city named Ephesus to Christian, Ephesian Christians. And he says to them, here's a final word. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in heavenly places. Then in verse number 13, he tells us, Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so that you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle, you will still be standing firm. Stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth and the breastplate of God's righteousness. For shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you will be fully prepared. In addition to all of these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the enemy. Put on salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. So in these verses, we're introduced to the armor of God. And I've got to tell you right off the bat, the armor of God looks absolutely nothing like what I'm wearing right now. The armor of God does not look like this at all. In fact, this kind of, they call this transitional armor. I learned that from the nerds at Dark Creation. And um, this kind of armor was not invented for more than a thousand years after these words were written in the Bible. So this is not at all what the apostle Paul had in mind. Rather, the armor that he was talking about, every one of his original audience would have known exactly what he meant because the armor that he's talking about here was actually the armor that Roman soldiers wore in their day. So Israel and Ephesus, Turkey, like all these Middle Eastern regions, they'd been conquered by the Romans and the Romans had stationed all of their guards and all of their military and all of these different outposts. And so Paul uses the kit, the armor that a typical Roman soldier was wearing in order to talk about the spiritual protection that God offers to every single one of us. As you take a peek at it, you can see a lot of differences between what I'm wearing here. This is a lot lighter. It's a lot more mobile. It has some pieces that I don't have right now, and I've got some pieces that it doesn't have. But Paul highlights six of the pieces of kit that a Roman soldier would wear, and he basically says, if you'll put on each of these pieces of armor, so to speak, it's spiritual, it's a metaphor, it's interesting symbolism, but he says, if you'll put on the six pieces of armor, then you will be much better prepared. In fact, you will win 
when it feels like you're being attacked. So what I wanna do quickly, we're not gonna spend a lot of time with this, but what I wanna do is I wanna walk through each of the six pieces that are highlighted by Paul, because I think there's some interesting things we can learn from it. He starts off by talking about the belt of truth. That's the first thing. He says, put on the belt of truth. Now, this is kind of strange to me, all right? Because the belt of all like the cool armor that the Roman soldiers were wearing, the belt seems like the least noteworthy of all of it. You with me? Like who cares about a belt? In 21st century, a belt is like an optional fashion accessory. You could wear a belt. You don't have to wear a belt. Just depends on your mood, right? So for me, it seems like a weird thing that Paul would highlight a belt right off the bat, that this would be the very first thing he talks about. But that's because the belt was actually the foundation for the entire armor that a Roman soldier wore. It was the very first thing he put on. Um, I had to put this on today, my little sword belt here. And uh, first of all, it went on last. And I needed a lot of help. Braden Widmer, wherever he was, he was my squire. He helped me get dressed just before the service. And this went on last. And it doesn't really do a whole lot besides hold this sword. That's kind of the only thing that it does. Now, a Roman's armor, Roman soldier's armor was completely different because the belt was actually put on first, like I mentioned, and it served a couple of purposes. The first thing it did is that Romans wore long tunics, like long shirts, and it cinched up that long shirt so there wasn't any loose fabric if they had to get into a fight. That was the first thing the belt did. The second thing, though, was that the belt became an anchor piece for the rest of the armor that a Roman soldier would wear. So they would put the belt on, then the breastplate that they would put on next would actually attach to the belt so there was more stability. And then of course they would use the, the, uh, the belt to hold their sword and there was also a way for them to hang their shield uh, in addition. So there was like this belt and it was foundation to everything that a Roman soldier would wear uh, when he was going into battle. And I think that's the reason that Paul highlights this first. I think that's why he says, okay, the belt is the first thing you have to put on because that's the first thing the Roman soldiers had to put on. But more importantly, this is why Paul associates the belt with truth. Because just as the belt was the first and foundational piece to a Roman soldier's uniform, truth is the first and foundational piece to those of us who follow Jesus. It's the most important. It's where we start. We start with the truth that God has revealed to us. We start with the knowledge of who God is and the knowledge of who we are. We we know the point and the purpose of life because God has told us what the point and purpose of life is. We know, we believe, we accept the truth of the spiritual nature of the reality that we live in. We trust the truth that God has given to us. So when we're talking about the spiritual armor of God, the place we start is with God's unchanging truth. Now, that's really important in 2019, because we live in a time in which truth is being continually redefined, don't we? Yeah, totally. It used to be that society believed that truth existed and our job was to uncover the truth. We discovered the truth that had been placed into creation. But these days, we've changed our mindset on that. And we don't believe that truth is something that we discover. We believe truth is something that society creates. 
And so what that means is, over time, the things that we as a world or we as humanity believe are true, they begin to shift and change. And the things that we say are true today, just 30 years ago, we would have said, no, that's not true, that's false. And this changing of truth, this voting on truth, it is, it's accelerating. We're seeing it happen more and more often. And so, honestly, the things that we are so certain are true right now, in 20 years, we're gonna look back and we're gonna say, how did we ever believe that was true? That's so crazy. Now, I know as I say all of this, you guys are starting to think through politics and social issues. And yes, I'm talking about those things, but man, I'm talking about so much more than that. I get a little worried when everybody in the world is continually defining and redefining truth however they see fit. I wonder how can a society move forward if we can't even agree on what's true and what's false about the world we live in? No wonder we're so fragmented. No wonder the election is so nasty. No wonder we can't get along with people who have a different nationality or skin color, gender, whatever it might be. Because we're allowing our world to define truth for us. But as Christians, if we take seriously our following of Jesus, then we start with the belt of truth. We trust what God says about us and one another and the world that we live in. Even if the entire world voted and they said, you know what, from now on, two plus two is gonna equal five. Let's just all agree it's gonna equal five. We would say no, because we don't create the truth. We uncover the truth. As Christians, we start with a belt plate, uh, the belt plate, I'm making stuff up. We start with a belt of truth. But then we move on and we get to the breastplate of righteousness. This is like the piece that kind of covers your midsection, your torso. It's really protection for your heart. It protected the vital organs that a Roman soldier would have to worry about if he were in the middle of a battle, right? And the reason that Paul talks about this as a breastplate of righteousness, protection for your heart, is because we're supposed to have a passion and a love for God. And if we have a passion, if our heart is for God, if it's for his truth, if it's for his church, if it's for you know, the, the things that he wants us to live for, justice and mercy and grace and all of those different things, then you know what? we will be much better equipped to deal with the changing culture and world that we live in. Honestly, if we have a right standing with God, if if I know that my heart is right with my heavenly father, then whatever comes my way, I am so much better equipped to deal with it because I may not have money and I may not have peace in my marriage and I may not have job security, but I got God and God's enough. It is a breastplate of righteousness, a right standing, protection and love flowing from our Father and to our Heavenly Father. So we've got the belt, we've got the breastplate. He goes on and he talks about the shoes of peace. That's the third part of the armor here. And that's ironic to me that in a discussion of the implements of war, right? He's talking about soldiers that are about to go do battle. And in this discussion of the implements and weapons and armors of war, there is a strong emphasis on peace. And that's because we as Christians, we we read here what Paul said, we do not wage war against flesh and blood enemies. Do you understand this? We don't fight against people. Now I know Christians have gotten this wrong before and Christians have gone on crusades 
and you've got coworkers and they've gone on an office crusade. And there have been times in my life where I've been overzealous and I've started to think, oh, that person or that ideology or that belief system, that's my enemy. No, it's not. We don't fight against flesh and blood enemies. We do not fight against our fellow brothers and sisters. Here's what we do. We wage war against the devil and we make peace with people. We wage war against our spiritual enemies, but we make peace with our, with our brothers. See, again, Christians get this backwards. There've been a lot of times and a lot of Christians, you do know some of them. And they've decided they're going to make war with the people in their lives. And they baptize their anger and violence and righteous indignation and their Facebook arguments and all of that stuff because they say, God is on my side. But you know what? When we wage war against other people, we've actually made peace with the devil. Because the scheme of our spiritual enemy is to keep us divided and to keep our attention focused on one another instead of our creator. So I don't want you to misunderstand this. One of the worries that I had in dressing up in this stupid outfit today was that I would get up here and you, especially if you come from a skeptical background like I did before I gave my heart to Jesus in my late teens, you would say, yep, here go the Christians again, about to start a holy war. He's got a sword and everything. They're about to go. No, this is not what we're talking about. We're using symbolism. I'm telling you guys, Christians make war by making peace. You wanna wage war against the division and hatred and violence in our world. You don't solve it with more of the same. You solve it by accepting the peace of God and given it to the rest of the world. Christians make war by making peace. That's why our shoes, every step we take every day, everywhere we go, everyone we come in contact with, we bring true peace with us for wearing the armor of God. He goes on, he talks about the shield of faith is the next portion here. Is that next? Yeah, shield of faith, there we go. He talks about the shield of faith. And the idea with this is that our shield makes us impervious to attacks from the enemy. It's like, go ahead, do your best. I'm ready for you. The way this is written in the original language, it says that if you carry the shield of faith, you will be able to resist all of the fiery arrows of the devil. Not most of them, not the easy ones, It says, if you actually have faith in who God is and what he has planned for you, you could withstand every single attack that your enemy might throw at you. Now, the, um, you can see here on the screen, the shields that Roman soldiers carried were not like little Legend of Zelda triangles like this thing, okay? No, the shields that Roman soldiers carried were huge. They were like five, almost six feet tall and they were two or three feet wide. And the reason they were so large is because they were designed for a Roman soldier to hide behind completely. So if they're on an open battlefield and maybe, you know, three, four, 500 meters across the field, there's another army coming towards them. The real threat that they have to deal with is archers because the guys with the swords are not gonna get to them for a few minutes. But if they start rushing out into the battlefield, then the enemy's gonna launch all of these arrows and they're gonna get picked off as they try to cross the open ground. So the Romans did something absolutely genius with these giant swords. They created a maneuver called the tortoise. And what they would do was they would take these giant shields and they would stack several of them 
end to end like this. And then they would have other soldiers come from behind and put the shield on top of the head. And they would actually create something that looked like a little turtle. And they would just move forward across the open battlefield. And when they did that, they didn't have to worry about the enemy archers at all. The enemy archer could shoot as many arrows as he wanted at them. There was no way that he was gonna get past the faith they had in their shield. That is what your faith offers you. The faith is not the thing that you hide behind. Oh, leave me alone, please. Why won't people be nice to me? No, the faith that we're talking about here allows you to keep moving forward, keep taking ground, keep taking your next steps of faith as you follow God because you trust that he'll provide for you every single step that you take. I'll also tell you that in order to pull off this sweet tortoise maneuver, which I think I'd like to try at some point in my life, that'd be pretty sweet. But in order to do it, can't do it solo. You've gotta have other people who also have a shield of faith who are beside you and behind you and helping you when you're under attack. Do you know why we highlight a connect group every single Sunday? Because you need people who are carrying shields of faith alongside of you. You cannot do this on your own. You cannot deal with a failing marriage by yourself. You cannot deal with doubts in your relationship with God all on your own. You can't deal with financial difficulty. You can't deal with anything. God designed us to put our shields of faith, so to speak, together. And when we do that, we can move forward and we can take ground from our enemy. So we've got this uh, shield. I don't know why I was having trouble getting that word out. Shield of faith. And then he wraps it. uh, Well, actually, we've got two more. I'll move through them quickly. He goes from the shield of faith and he goes to the, uh, what's the next one here? Make sure I get it right. The um, helmet of salvation. Thank you. So we go to the helmet of salvation. I'll tell you guys, when you put this thing on, it impacts the way that you see and hear everything. Like I just, I don't have the peripheral vision. Everything's kind of echoey. It's all muffled. I'm just not really sure. It significantly impacts the way that I see and hear and process everything. And that's exactly what's going on when we receive salvation from God. It protects our minds and our eyes. It allows us to see things differently than we have our whole life. We will process events. We will look at one another differently. We will hear God in ways that we've never heard him before when we are wearing the helmet of salvation. And then finally, we end up with the sword of the spirit. Somebody was asking me, is this a real sword? Yes, it is. It's very metal, but it's also dull. I tried to poke somebody. It didn't really do anything. Now, when Paul talks about the sword of the spirit, he's not talking about a physical weapon. Instead, he spells it out for us. And he says he's talking about the word of God. And when you look through all the different pieces of equipment in the armor of God that he lists out here, the sword is the only offensive weapon. You realize that? This is it. This is all you've got if you need to attack in some way. And the interesting thing here is that when we are under spiritual attack, God says we are able to resist the devil. We are able to withstand the attacks that we go through. How? By reciting, by trusting in the truth of God's word. We trust 
what it says. It tells us what we need to know about ourselves and about the nature of the situations that we find ourselves in. Now, in order to be able to use the sword of the Spirit, you actually have to know the sword of the Spirit, right? Like you can't recite the Bible if you've never read the Bible. You also can't recite the Bible if you don't own a Bible. I think it would be a doggone shame for any one of you to go to battle every day and not have a sword of your own. So here's what we do at Connect Church. We make a free copy of the Bible. It's literally this exact one that I use each and every week. And we make this available for free to you. You can pick this up on your way out from the guest center. Why? Because we take the Bible that seriously. I think it's that important. I will spend $21 so that you can have a copy of God's word so that you can carry a sword of the spirit around because when you're faced with battle, I want you to respond and react and counterattack the same way that our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ did. When he was confronted by the devil, what did he do? He didn't pull out a sword and say, let's dance, Satan. He quoted scripture. Jesus, the author of the Bible, heavenly author anyway. He quoted the scripture. That's the power that we have here. And I'll also tell you, if you're like, but Dan, I have a Bible, or I tried to read the Bible one time, and that thing didn't make any sense. You know what I'm saying? We offer an online connect group. I lead it every single Thursday night. It's called Bible Basics. And we walk through the major storyline of the Bible. It's on Facebook. So you can like sit at home in your underwear, eating Cheetos, and you can learn the Bible and you can ask questions and I'll be like, yeah, it's a weird passage of scripture. Here's how I understand it and interpret it. I want you to have a sword and I want you to be capable of using the sword. All right, look at all these, these pieces of the equipment, the armor of God here. I want you to look at them and I want you to notice what the passage says here in, in verse number 13. It says, if you put on every piece of God's armor, then you will be able to resist the enemy. And after the battle, you will still be standing firm. I don't know about you guys, but I think that's pretty cool. Like, I, I kind of like this. I'm jiving with this. This is all right. The apostle Paul says that no matter how hard the enemy attacks you, and you can define enemy however you want to. If you're like, dude, you're dumb for believing in the devil. Cool, I'm not, I'm not gonna fight you, okay? But define enemy however you want. If you were to wear this kind of armor, if you were to have this sort of understanding and protection in your life, then whoever or whatever your enemy is, you would be able to stand firm. But it raises a really interesting point. That is that armor serves no purpose unless you wear it. Your armor serves no purpose if you never put it on. It's one thing to have a shield, but if you don't bring it with you into battle, what's the point? It can't do you any good. Too many Christians have a closet full of armor from God that they never wear. And what a shame that is. What a shame that is. That you say, God, why is life so hard? And how come I'm not able to stand up against everything that's happening to me? And God's like, dude, I gave you everything you needed in order to stand firm against the attacks of your enemy. It's not my fault you never put the armor on. Armor does us no good if we don't put it on. Now, some Christians have taken this like super literally and they will get, you know, they'll start out their morning prayers and they'll say, God, today I put on the helmet of salvation and I put on the belt of truth and I put on the shoes of peace. And that's cool. Like that is a helpful prayer to pray. I've done that before, nothing wrong with that. But I don't think God's saying like, okay, each morning you need to just mentally walk through all of this. But I do think he's saying you need to be aware of what's available to you. 
so that when hard times come, you know what you can do in order to withstand. One more quick point. I'm gonna read a final verse and we're done. Yeah, armor serves no purpose if you don't wear it, if you don't put it on, but also armor has to be put on before the battle ever begins. Armor has to be put on before the battle ever begins. I mean, imagine like you were a soldier and you got to the battlefield and just as everything was about to kick off the charge, you're like, oh, hold up guys, hold up, hold up. Can you give me like 10 minutes? I didn't actually think the battle was gonna happen today. I kind of thought it would be tomorrow. So I wasn't dressed, I'm not ready. If you'll give me 10 or 15, I'll run to my tent, I'll grab my equipment, I'll come back and we can go. What would happen? Your enemies would laugh in your face. If you showed up at the battle and you weren't already dressed and ready, you're already done for. See, when you read this passage, Paul says here, I believe it's in verse number 11, he says, put on the full armor of God. Right now, it's a present tense command. So that in the day of evil, you can withstand the attacks of your enemy. You don't know when the attacks are coming. Today may be a regular boring day. Tomorrow could be terrible. We have no idea, but we do know that armor is not made to be put on in the heat of the battle. It's made to be put on before the battle ever begins. So my challenge to you and to me is to get dressed and to stay ready, to be knowledgeable, uh, aware of the armor of God. And then when we find ourselves under attack and from whoever that attack might come from, we say, God has already given me what I need to deal with this situation. Maybe my heart hurts because I was betrayed, but God has given me a breastplate of righteousness. I have a right standing with him. And even if everybody on planet earth hates me, my heavenly father still loves me. Even if I'm the victim of violence, I still wear the shoes of peace because God has made peace with me and I carry his peace. The armor is powerful, but it's only powerful if you wear it. And it only makes sense to wear it before the battle begins. All right, last point. There's something that I read in this passage about the armor of God that I have never seen before. Like I'm a pastor. I've spoken from the Bible weekly for 20 years, okay? I have college degrees in the Bible. And I'm telling you, as many times as I've read this section of scripture before, I saw something that I've never seen. And it totally changed my understanding of the armor of God. And I wonder if it might do the same for you as well. Let's put Ephesians 6 back up there. And I wanna ask you what's gonna seem like a really obvious question. Whose armor does it say that we're putting on? Whose armor does it say we are putting on. God's put on every piece of God's armor. Now, I'll be real with you guys. Every time I've read this passage in the past, I've always interpreted that to mean put on my armor that comes from God, right? Like the armor that God crafted for Dan, so to speak. Put on the armor that came from God. But this idea that the scripture actually says put on God's armor, it launched in my brain in a way that I just, I don't know, I kept thinking about it and I kept thinking through the implications of this. And then I was like, I don't know, I'm probably reading too much into this verse and I don't want to make a mountain out of a molehill. But you know what? God directed me towards another passage of scripture in the Old Testament and oh my goodness, it opened my mind 
on what's really being said here in Ephesians chapter number six. So let's put this on the screen. Isaiah chapter number 59. I wonder if you've ever read these verses before. God is surveying earth about 2,000, 3,000 years ago at this point. And he says, yes, truth is gone. Anyone who renounces evil is attacked. And the Lord looked and he was displeased to find that there was no justice in the world. He was amazed to see that no one intervened to help those who were oppressed. So he himself stepped in to save them with his strong arm and his justice sustained him. Now look at what the scripture says here. He put on righteousness as his breastplate. And he placed the helmet of salvation on his head. He clothed himself with the robe of righteous vengeance. And he wrapped himself in a belt of divine truth. If you read later in Revelation, we won't. But if you go all the way to the last book of the Bible, Jesus is depicted... And in this depiction, he's wearing armor. And in addition to the pieces that we've talked about here in Isaiah 59, the Bible says he also carries a sword, which is his word. When the Bible says in Ephesians chapter number six, put on God's armor, it is literally saying God has given you his own armor to protect you. The armor that you're wearing is not like some kid's Halloween costume. And it's not some second-rate stuff you picked off the rack at Value Village. It's not even a costume or a movie prop that you went and rented from some armory in downtown Calgary. No, it is the very armor of your heavenly Father. That means it's the best of the best. No wonder it's so powerful. I mean, for goodness sake, if it's, if it's good enough for the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, it's probably good enough for me. What a privilege to be able to wear God's own armor. What a promise that he's provided protection for me and for you. And what a waste if we fail to put it on. As we wrap up this series, my prayer is that we would be a people who are dressed and ready in the Father's armor when the devil knocks. 